Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One, two, three, and... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Forgotten True Crime by Oki Investigations. The true crime podcast where we tell the stories of crimes that happened long ago. If you're a true crime fan, make sure you subscribe to the podcast... That way, when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Also, check us out on our Facebook page, Oki Investigations, and visit our blog, truecrime.blog, where we post a lot of the cool things that we find for each episode. This episode, Silent Night, Deadly Night, has a lot of exciting stuff for you to dig into, so make sure you go there and check it out. Parts of the story may contain opinions and speculations and should be taken as such. These stories depict violent crimes of all types and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This story discusses suicide. If you or anyone else you know is suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's a United States-based suicide prevention network with over 160 crisis centers that provides 24-7 service via toll-free hotline with the number 1-800-273-8255. It's available to anyone in suicidal crisis or emotional distress. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. Hello, everyone. From now until the new year, I will be debuting several new episodes that are Christmas-themed. Many of these cases are ones you've probably never heard of, so make sure you subscribe to the show. Check out our blog over at truecrime.blog and our Facebook page, Oki Investigations, for bonus stories as well. We've got a few of those in the works. We have quite the lineup of stories that we're working on right now. This is a lot of fun to research, I've got to tell you. And I thank you all so much for listening. This story is not very well known to those outside of Kentucky. And when I started doing the research on it, I was like, wow, this is there's a lot here. There's a lot to unpack. So I'm taking you all back to December 24th, Christmas Eve, in the year... 1919. We're in Louisville, Kentucky. Deputy Corner Singer was having a quiet Christmas Eve at home when his phone rang. He answered, and it was local Dr. Christopher C. Schott. Dr. Schott said he needed Singer to come right away. He had just returned to his office in the late afternoon and he found his secretary dead on the floor. Dr. Schott believed it was suicide. It wasn't unusual for a doctor to call the coroner, but this was a little odd. Something had happened to his secretary, suicide or not, and the police needed to be able to investigate this as well. 
So Deputy Corner Singer made a phone call to the local station and alerted them to the situation on his way out. That way, they could have a detective there as well and make sure everything was on the up and up. It didn't take long for the coroner to arrive at Dr. Schott's office. He was there within minutes. He walked in and Dr. Schott showed him the body. He said that he only touched her to see if she was living or not. On the floor was a beautiful girl, lost to this world too soon. Her name was Elizabeth Ford Griffith. She was lying on her back on the floor. There was a small blood stain around her left breast. A gun was at her side. One thing that the coroner found particularly odd was that she was dressed only in a short slip and a hospital dress. She had on long stockings and shoes. While he was investigating the body, Dr. Schott again suggested that this was suicide, nothing more. So the coroner checked for signs that she had done this to herself. One missing thing was the telltale signs of powder burns that a gun and a bullet produce when it's fired and hits something at close range. There were no burns on the girl's clothing or the body, which suggested that Elizabeth did not do this to herself. He estimated that she was shot sometime between noon and 3 p.m. When detectives arrived, they examined Elizabeth's body, and then they asked to speak to Dr. Schott to get his statement. He said that he and a 13-year-old girl, Loreen Gardner, who was a local girl he knew, had left the office to deliver some Christmas presents to some of his patients at noon. Elizabeth was in the office cleaning and handling the phone. The office needed cleaning pretty badly, and she would be busy for most of the afternoon. The doctor told the police that while they were out delivering presents, he called his office to see if there were any messages for him. Back then, when you made a phone call, you would talk to an operator first. Then they would connect the call to the correct line. When no one answered, Dr. Schott thought that the line was busy. But the operator told the doctor that it was not a busy signal, but no one answered the phone. It just kept ringing and ringing. Dr. Schott became annoyed with Elizabeth. He said that he thought that she was cleaning and just ignoring the phone. When he returned to the office with little Lorene, he found that a patient was waiting outside his office doors. The door was still locked and she had waited around to see if anyone would let her in. So Dr. Schott unlocked the door, and he ushered everyone through the door. He said he was still annoyed because the office looked as if it hadn't been cleaned at all. He said he called out for Elizabeth several times. When she didn't answer, he checked for her in all the rooms, and that's when he found her. The police asked Dr. Schott about the gun that was found, and he confirmed that it was his. He kept it at his office for protection. Elizabeth knew about the gun and never said anything about it one way or another. Police asked about Elizabeth, 
what was going on in her life, who she was seeing, and what he knew about her. The doctor told them that she was engaged to Captain George Jordan of the 7th Field Artillery, 1st Division. They were to be married on Christmas Day, but had recently changed the wedding date. He also told them that he, too, had been engaged to Elizabeth at one point. They had been together when she was younger. At the statement, the detective was kind of taken aback and asked how old Elizabeth was. The doctor said that she was 17, but when they saw each other, she had lied to him about her age. She was only 14 years old at the time. When they had split up, she met the captain, and they soon fell in love. But he admitted that she still had feelings for him, and he too for her. The police took the doctor at his word. So far, there was nothing to charge him with, even though he was quickly becoming their prime suspect. But they now had another name to look into, Captain George Jordan, and they needed to speak to Elizabeth's parents as well. But for good measure, the police took the doctor into the police station while they ran down their leads and decided if they had any further questions for him. Because they didn't know when Elizabeth had been shot, police started canvassing the neighborhood. They wanted to talk to anyone who heard the gunshot. Hopefully, they knew what time it was. The first place detectives went to was Elizabeth's parents' house. They had to inform Mr. and Mrs. John T. Griffith that their daughter was now deceased. Upon receiving this news, they were both in shambles. Mr. and Mrs. Griffith openly sobbed at this news. They spoke about Elizabeth's relationship with Captain George Jordan, how they planned to marry but had put it off for a few days. The detectives asked about her relationship with Dr. Schott, and they told the detectives that they believed that their relationship was over. Still, they were uneasy with her working at her former fiancé's place of business. Dr. Schott was a bit of a playboy, and they didn't know what was going on behind closed doors. The detectives asked if there was any other men in Elizabeth's life anyone who wanted to do her harm or wanted to stop her from getting married, and they told the detectives that there was no one. Detectives also spoke to Katie May Griffith, Elizabeth's little sister. She stated that she called the office to talk to her sister right around 2 p.m. When she called, Dr. Schott had answered the phone. She knew it was him by the sound of his voice. This was a direct contradiction to what the doctor had been telling everyone. So this was, this was a pretty big deal. The police then visited Captain George Jordan. They asked him to come into the station and they told him what had happened. Immediately after being told about Elizabeth's murder, he broke down and began to cry. They had to rule him out as a suspect, so they asked him where he was that afternoon. He gave them the names of his superiors who he was working with. 
They and his other squad mates all provided rock-steady alibis. There was no way that the captain had anything to do with the murder. They let him go and promised to catch whoever did this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On December 26th, feeling as if they had enough to go forward, the chief of detectives was looking for Dr. Schott. He had been let go in the early hours of Christmas morning. They checked his house and office. Both were empty. They received word that the doctor might be at attorney Moxley's office. He was recently hired by the doctor and would be handling all these legal matters for him. When they arrived at Dr. Moxley's office, the detectives and officers went straight in. There were five or six people in the room. Little Laureen Gardner, the 13-year-old girl, was sitting at Dr. Schott's side. The detective stepped forward and announced, Doctor, you're under arrest. Have you a warrant? said Dr. Schott. I don't need a warrant, the detective replied. Dr. Schott wisely complied with the orders and went with the detectives. They also took Lorene with them as well. They had not yet interviewed her and they needed her statement. Now, They were arresting the doctor for the murder of Elizabeth, but to charge him with the murder and go forward with the trial, they would need to convince a grand jury of his guilt. The detectives separated Laureen from the doctor to interview her. The local paper recorded the interview. The Owensboro Messenger, dated December 27, 1919, had this as front-page news. This is what it said. Lorene Gardner talked freely while waiting in the office. She said she was very fond of Dr. Schott and was at his home for quite a good deal. She said that she and Dr. Schott started from his office at 10 o'clock Wednesday morning and delivered a number of Christmas gifts in the West End. About 1 o'clock they returned and were preparing some more gifts to be delivered. The little girl said, as we were wrapping up presents, Elizabeth said to Dr. Schott, will you answer one question seriously and tell me the truth? Dr. Schott answered, well, it's owing to what it is. Elizabeth said, for whom is that ivory manicure set? Dr. Schott in a teasing way said, you don't need to know, do you? Lorene Gardner said that at that, Elizabeth started to cry. And Dr. Schott said to her, If you want it, you can have it. I'll buy another. Miss Griffith answered, No, I don't want it. At about 1.15, we left on the second trip, continued the child. 
Elizabeth had stopped crying, came to the folding doors, and started to mop up the floor. We delivered seven packages, and at about three o'clock, we got back to the doctor's house. The doctor was again with me all the time. He would stay in the machine, which was another word used back then for a car, and I would take the packages into the houses. When we got back to Dr. Schott's office, I was the first one out of the machine. I went to the front door, which was open. Dr. Schott came right behind me. As we went up, Miss Gerlock followed behind us. The folding doors were hooked, and the doctor knocked on them, calling, Elizabeth! There was no answer. He took his knife, slipped it under the door, and unlatched them. The mop and bucket had been turned over in this room, and there was water all over the floor. Elizabeth was lying in the third room on her back. The revolver was a foot beside her. The doctor took out something, put it to his ears, and then listened to her heart and lungs. He felt her eye, and then went to the middle room and used the telephone. Dr. Schott, who was now in a prison cell, asked that they talk to Miss Janine Brands, who spoke to Elizabeth throughout the day. She knew that Elizabeth was alive when the doctor was away. She had called him and told him what had transpired. So the detectives did just that. They went down to Miss Brand's home and they asked her about her story and hear for themselves what she had to say. The Courier-Journal reported the interview in Louisville, Kentucky on December 27, 1919, and was featured on page 3. I received a bill from Dr. Schott, which had been settled a year ago. At 9 o'clock Wednesday morning, I called his office to get the matter straightened out. Miss Griffith answered the phone, informing me that the doctor was out delivering Christmas presents and asked me to call in 15 minutes. Determined to reach the physician, I followed her instructions, called up at 15-minute intervals until 4 o'clock. Perhaps it will seem strange, but as the day grew older, the girl's voice seemed to change. In the morning, her mood was cheerful. After dinner, it was sad. I felt something was worrying her. She sounded as though overcome by some great grief. I remember her saying, Have you received your Christmas presents? I told her that I expected no presents and that I was not bothered about anticipating them or getting them. Then I asked if she had received any. And brokenly, as though sobbing, she replied, I... I don't know. Could Christmas presents mean nothing? I, I, I am too sad, too sad to care. It didn't sound like the Miss Griffith I had talked to earlier in the day. Now I believe that she was wounded at the time, and I paid little attention to her talk. Being a trifle angry at receiving a bill I had paid, I called again at 2.30 but received no answer. After that, I called until about 4 o'clock when Dr. Schott answered the phone and, 
in not an excited tone, said, A serious thing had happened. Now, there are only a couple of scenarios that I can come up with that explains what might have happened in this case. Given what has been told so far, it is conceivable that Elizabeth has become sad about what was supposed to be her wedding eve. Perhaps she was still in love with the doctor and she was getting cold feet. The sight of the nice manicure set going out to someone as a present made her believe that maybe the doctor was moving on. Perhaps she had thought about it, taken the gun from the doctor's office, and killed herself in a way that no powder burns were produced. It's also possible that the doctor did indeed commit the murder himself. If he did, he might have been using the young Lorene as a naive alibi. If she were waiting in the car and the doctor shot Elizabeth on their way out, perhaps she didn't hear or know what was going on. But the doctor also admitted that he was dating Elizabeth when she was 14 years old. Maybe he had seduced Laureen, who seemed quite taken with the doctor in her statement to the police. If so, she might be fully aware of what really happened and was determined to help the doctor no matter what. What really speaks to this is the statement from Miss Brands. She said she'd been calling every 15 minutes since 9 a.m., but if that was the case, why didn't the doctor talk to her when he was in the office? She said that after dinner, she called again, and it didn't sound like the same Elizabeth she'd been talking to earlier in the day. Perhaps she wasn't talking to Elizabeth at all. Maybe it was Lorraine. On December 27th, the state attorneys pressed forward with the charges of murder against Dr. Schott. They now will have to convince a grand jury of his guilt to formally charge the doctor with the murder. This would be the decision of the decade, and it was only a grand jury hearing. Next time on Forgotten True Crime, we will continue with part two of this case. Make sure you subscribe so that when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. I will see you all next time. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.